it's so good to be with you again and uh, to be able to work together to grow spiritually. This podcast here is going to be part two of the All-Knowing God. And the reason I'm doing a part two is because part one was extremely popular and um, I heard some good, some good things about it. And one thing about God is that you can never exhaust God. You can never, you can never explain enough about Him. You could do 20 podcasts on the all-knowing God easily. But um, I felt like it'd be beneficial to you and me both to be able to dive into this subject one more time because it was, it's a deep subject, but it's also a very, very helpful subject. I believe it's one of those subjects as you read through the Bible, you'll see time and time again is the fact that God is all-knowing. But if you have your Bible, you can find your place there in the book of Job, the book of Job, chapter number 37. The book of Job, chapter number 37, in verse number 16, is where I want to begin our, begin our study for tonight at. The Bible says, Dost thou know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge? When you think about an all-knowing God, you're not thinking about a God that had to learn knowledge, but he was perfect in knowledge from the beginning. The Bible says very clearly here that he balanced the clouds. Now, I'm not really sure what he balanced them on because they seem to be hanging on nothing, but that shows his all-knowing ability in the fact that his knowledge is perfect because he can take something and hang it on nothing. He's perfect in knowledge, whereas we have fallacies and we have to learn things, and we have to basically, a lot of times, in any man, woman, boy, or girl's life, they learn from basically what we call the school of hard knocks, and that's from making mistakes and then correcting them. God never had to do that. He never made a world and then said, oh, I messed this up. I'm going to have to start all over. No, he was perfect in knowledge from the beginning. As he fashioned the sea and the mountains and the clouds and the sun and the moon and the stars, all of that was perfect. It was designed perfectly. It works perfectly. As you look at the at the human body and how intricate it is and how the heart pumps blood and the lungs breathe air and the liver filters blood and the stomach breaks down food and feeds the rest of the body that's an amazing that's an amazing thing in and of itself and that's because the reason that the human body and all the things that I just named work that way it's because there's an all-knowing god that created them But then let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter number 94 and verse number 11. The Bible says this in the book of Psalms, chapter 94 and verse number 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Now, it's one thing to think about God knowing your thoughts. That's a scary thing, really, to think about, because as you smile on the outside and think certain things on the inside, there's a God in heaven who knows those thoughts, But look what he says about the thoughts of man. He says they're vanity. Do you know some of man's greatest accomplishments? The fact that man has been to the moon. The fact that man can get into a submarine and go to the bottom of the ocean. The fact that man can get in a a vessel and propel it through the air in an airplane and fly. God said, those are just vain little things. The things, the greatest accomplishments with man are so minor compared to what God has done. Why? Because he's an all-knowing God. 
Nothing's ever occurred to him. Nothing, nothing's ever, nothing, God has never had a moment where he said, wow, I didn't know that. Wow, I learned that because he already knew it all because he's all knowing. You say, well, I don't know how that, how that can possibly be. Could I explain to you that God's ways are so far above our ways that with your human mind, you can't even comprehend him? The only thing that we know about God is from the Bible that he gave us. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know anything about him. And he had to bring himself, if I can say this correctly, and you understand what I'm saying in the context of this, he had to bring himself down to a level where we could understand him. Why? Because he's perfect in knowledge. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 13. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 13. The all-knowing God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Of course, that's talking about God. That's talking about Jesus. But look at what the Bible says. It makes it so clear with this. There's no, the Bible says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. You know what that means? He sees the ant. You know what that means? He sees the smallest microorganism that lives in the mud puddle. He's an amazing God. He's an all-knowing God. He understands understands how the ant crawls, and he understands how the eagle flies because he's all-knowing. And every one of his creatures, his creation, is manifest in his sight. He keeps his eye on it. He's diligently paying attention to everything that goes on down here. And while he's doing that, don't think that he's so stressed out he don't know what to do. He can do that and do everything else at the same time because he's God. He doesn't sit there and he's like, man, I'm telling you, I didn't just about wore myself out today trying to keep up with everything going on on the earth. No, he keeps up with it all day and all night, and it doesn't faze him one bit. He's all-knowing. And the Bible says this, but all things, there in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. He sees it all inside and out. He understands it all inside and out. He's God. He's an all-knowing God. The book of Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. Jesus poses this question. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? A farthing is a very small sum of money. And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? Now, that just makes you stop and think for a minute. What that verse is saying is that a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without God knowing about it. Really, if you look at it, and this might, this might sound a little strange, but God attends every funeral of every sparrow that dies. His eyes are upon it. Oh, that, that bird just got hit by a car. Oh, that bird just landed on the wrong power line. Oh, that bird just got too close to the kitty cat. All those things, he knows. He attends the funeral of every sparrow that's ever died. He said they're not going to fall to the ground without your father. He knows about it. He's all-knowing. 
Then the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 9. The book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 9. And I kind of want to turn a different direction here. The Bible says this, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now here we've got God in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 9. This all-knowing God that keeps up with the sparrows, everything, every creature that's ever created he keeps up with. He knows all our thoughts. He balances the clouds. But here we've got God asking a very interesting question. Now, if we look at the context, of course, Adam and Eve are the only humans on the earth at this time. And they live in a garden, which I don't think the garden was small, but I don't think it was large. And here Jesus comes into the garden and he asks this question. He said unto him, where art thou? He asked Adam, where's he at? Now, shouldn't the all-knowing God who keeps up with the ant and who keeps up with the sparrow and who balances the clouds know where Adam is? Well, if he knows where he's at, why do he ask the question? Because he wanted Adam to realize where he was at. You know, a lot of times in our lives, God asks the question, where, where are you? Why, why are you doing that? What are you doing? And it's not because he doesn't know. He just wants us to realize what we're doing. He wants us to realize that we're in the wrong. He wants us to realize that we've made a mistake. It's not that he doesn't know. He wants us to know. And there's so many times in our lives where we find ourselves in position and we somehow think that we've slipped under the radar of God. And my friend, we've not slipped under his radar. He sees where we went. He sees what we're doing. And he asks us the question, where art thou? Wanting us to realize where we're at. The book of Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 7. The book of Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 7. Of course, this is the Lord talking to Moses. And uh, if you have your Bible, you can read the chapter later, get the context. Good story, good story. It shows how powerful God is in this story. The Bible says, And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow. The all-knowing God said about his people that were in Egypt. He said, I know their sorrow. You see, with this all-knowing God, there's a part of him that can see into our hearts when it's broken. And he said, I know my people are hurting. And I know their sorrow. And later on, he, he delivers them from their sorrow because he's kind and compassionate. But I use that verse so that we can realize that God's not forgot where we're at. When we get into problems, whether they're physical, whether they're spiritual, whether they're financial, whether they're marital, there's so many problems that plagues mankind. Just the problem sometimes of our mind God said this. He said, I know. I know your sorrows. He sees. 
because he's all-knowing. He's perfect in knowledge. You know, sometimes he could fix the problem very easily, but he doesn't. You say, why doesn't he fix the problem? I don't know. I really don't know, other than the fact that maybe sometimes he puts us through problems so that we can see him. Maybe we can look as as God asked Adam, where art thou? And maybe we can look at our lives and say, man, did I bring this upon myself? And if not, then we can just realize it's a trial, and I sure want to pass the test the first time so I don't have to go through it two times. The book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. We just, we just learned in Exodus that God knows our sorrow. But here in Hebrews it says, For we have not a high priest, now that's Jesus, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, here we see another side of this all-knowing God. We know that we know from the Bible that He knows the hairs of our head, that He numbers the stars. We know that He's perfect in knowledge. But here in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, which means very simply, contextually, that he dealt with similar problems to what we deal with. He walked on the earth. He knew what it was like to be tired. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be hit. He knew what it was like to be cussed at. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be cold. He knew what it was like not to have a house. Tempted in all points like as we are but he didn't fall into the temptation. Now, you might ask yourself, as I did, why would a God who's perfect in knowledge want to experience what we go through so that he could know what we go through firsthand, so that he could be that much more close to us, so that when we come to him and say, God, I'm hurting, he can roll back in his memory bank the times that he walked on the earth and he was hurting or the times that he was sore, or the times that he felt rejected. Do you realize when he took on human form, that he took on all of the human form, and he dealt with all of the problems of the physical bodies, and he dealt with all of the problems of the mouths of other people, and he dealt with all of the problems of the religious hypocrites, and he dealt with all of the problems of the sinners, he dealt with all those problems yet without sin. And I can't see no other reason than to maybe, in his knowledge, understand some of the things we went through because he's all-knowing. Then the book of Matthew, chapter 27 and verse 46. The book of Matthew, chapter 27 and verse number 46. Of course, Jesus is hanging on the cross. If you have time later, the book of Matthew is a great great portion of the Bible. It talks about the crucifixion and what he endured on the cross. But here in verse number 46 is where we want to draw out today. And it says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So here we have an all-knowing God 
hanging on a cross, asking his father why he forsook him. And you say, he knows everything? And he's asking his God that? You know, as I, as I read the book of Genesis earlier, I thought that he asked that question so that Adam would realize where he's at. And now I think he asked that question so that we'll realize where he's at. See, he asked Adam so Adam could see where he was at. And he asked this question here in Matthew 27 so we could see where he was at. He was forsaken. He's perfect in knowledge. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. But here hangs a God on a cross that was forsaken by his own father. And then as we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 and verse number 5, the Bible says this, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The all-knowing God, who knows what it's like to be forsaken, he said in his heart, he said, Father, you've forsaken me. And it hurt bad. But I can never forsake them because the pain was too much. And could I say to you that there's an all-knowing God in heaven that loves you so much that no matter where you've been or what you've done, he said he'd never forsake you. He said he'd love you to the end. Now that's an all-knowing God. When he can look at our shortcomings and our fallacies, you know, after he gives us a book, a Bible, after he gives us a church and a pastor and a Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and friends and family, and we still go against him and we fall into sin, he said, there's one thing that I can't do to him. He said, I can't forsake him because he knows what it's like to be forsaken. See, he was forsaken, so we'd never ever be forsaken. And if you're under the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, could I say to him, could I say to you that he knows more about you than anybody in the whole world and he still loves you and he wants to help you and he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your God and he'll never, ever, ever forsake you. I want to thank you again for joining us for the Biblical Principles Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can forward them over to me by email, biblicalprinciples at juno.com. That's all lowercase letters, biblicalprinciples at juno.com. And until next time, my friend, Godspeed to the brethren.